0: One game this week, a 1-0 home win over Colchester United. And Richard Sandland thinks one moment of magic settled an eminently forgettable game. Simon Spencer has never felt annoyed after winning before, glad with the win, but disappointed they didn't look up for it. David Caldwell barely moved when the goal went in, never saw it coming and was thoroughly bored by that point. Colin Higginson felt the same and wonders if this win will be enough to give Lee Bell the job. Mark Bertels is delighted for Belly, but labels that one of the worst games of professional football he's ever seen. Chris Mason thinks the three points shouldn't fool anyone. That was absolutely abysmal. Andy Spears is happy with the three points, but nothing seems to connect and the lack of midfield creativity hurts crew. Ben Benson labels too many of those players as 5 out of 10s and would like to see some actual ambition. Captain Britton thought the Alex were awful, and if Colchester had won 3-0, we couldn't have had too many complaints. Andrew Whittingham labels that as one of the poorest crew sides for a while. Simon Mundy says that's the worst performance he's seen in 35 years of watching the Alex. James thinks we've lost the ability to play football again, but does point out that Sambu looked useful this week. Alexandra, 6077, would hate to watch Colchester every week as they were time-wasting from the off. Arthur Okonkwo got many, many plaudits this week. Here is a selection of them. Harry Lewis thought the three points were down to him after watching one of the worst games of football he's ever seen. Chris Thompson is beginning to think we might not be that good and the three points were all down to Arthur. Ryan Hayward can't believe he wasn't given man of the match. Daniel says without Arthur, the table looks very differently. Three points on Saturday added to the two recent penalty saves. Dave Gallagher adds that he's definitely looking down rather than up. Jonathan Ditt points out that Billy Sass Davis has been present for the three clean sheets in a row. Martin Huff is happy with those three clean sheets but adds that it's hard to get excited by the football. Andy Griffiths thought Colket had some good touches when he came on. He hopes to see more of it if he can stay fit. And Grant says two wins in a row whilst he isn't there, he's staying away. <speaking in the background>
1: Hello, welcome to the award-nominated Railway Men podcast. Stu is unavailable for selection today, so I'm going to be Lee Bell, To so here's Alex Morris, and become your interim host. Uh, speaking of Lee Bell, it was another Saturday and another 1-0 win for his first league game. However, was the victory papering over the cracks, or has Lee Bell found the winning formula? That's what I'll be discussing with our panel of experts today. Three regulars joining us and they are Alex
2: Irani. Hello, Steve. I think it's the first time I've been called an expert. So thank you very much for that.
1: That's all right. I'll, I'll see if I can carry that on. Uh, Aaron Lewis. Hello, guys. And Steve Bennett. Good day to you all. So uh, Saturday afternoon, Lee Bell selected the same team out as last time around. However, there was a change on the bench with CBR out, possibly for a fair bit of time. Aaron disappointing news to lose him or is it a chance for goal machine Bas Sambu
3: and Danagi to prove their worth? Um, I suppose the the optimistic view is that yes you've got we've got players that can play up front so they should seize the day um, as such but but for me it is quite disappointing. I think CBR probably one of our top three players. That's a number I've pulled out of the top of my head there, but you know he's he's probably one of the top players this season for us, and to lose him for any stretch of time is going to be quite disappointing. I feel.
1: So the action on the pitch began, and Colchester clearly started on top. There was an early save from Arthur. It wasn't a great start. What were your thoughts when you were sat watching that opening te- five ten minutes, Alex?
2: It was a it was a very sluggish start, and it was a. Yeah, it was in tune, in keeping with the whole performance, to be honest. It wasn't like we particularly got out of the races over the course of the 90 minutes. Um, Arthur did make a, a particularly sharp stop also in the first half. He, he, had a, he had a particularly good game. And I'm not necessarily sure it's a good thing that when you're playing bottom of the league, who have got one point from 24, I believe, was their away form heading into yesterday, um, for your goalkeeper to be the best player at home, it's a bit of a damning indictment on the performance on the whole. Um but it was, it was a sharp stop and it was a good performance from Arthur. He's growing into his role, actually. He, he's he's a lot more assertive, I think, than he was previously. And, th- and there was one instance when he, he made the save at the near post, which is a really good save, and actually he had the presence of mind to sort of claw it back into his wingspan. When I think when he was there, he, you know, at the start of the season, it was very much he'd make the save and he'd sort of be a bit less reactive as such. But now he's got that command, he's doing things like that, and he's grown into it.
4: Just to add to that, Alex, I, th- I thought he was absolutely exceptional yesterday. Absolutely exceptional. I think the result would have been very different had we have had a lesser goalkeeper in there. Um, and as you said, I think he's he's got better and better with seemingly every game that he's played. A real plus point um, yesterday, I thought he was and and has been, and very few plus points yesterday. But um, we'll come to that and show. Sure. <laughs> Steve Allen, I'll stick with you because as a as the interim host,
1: I believe I'm supposed to remain neutral. But if I'm honest, that first half was total shite. Um, but because we are an award-nominated podcast, I think we need to be a bit more considered from than that. So what do you think? What was the problem in that
4: first 45 minutes? <laughs> um <laughs> I think if we could if we could solve what the problem was, we'd um we'd all be doing a different job, wouldn't we? I just I thought it was just dour that it was so disjointed. And I don't think we stuck five passes together all half, really, to be honest. Um we we've spoken about before about this sort of keep it tight and sort of win one nil or whatever. And although obviously we got the we got that result in the end, they a better side, they'd have scored two or three. In that first half you know we that that save that alex alluded to a couple of minutes ago was i've watched it about two or three times on on the on the highlights and it's a hell of a save um and they they could have they could have scored two or three and i just thought it it was devoid of any quality at all and you've you've got to wonder what direction we are going in. Um, I'm sure we'll get to these other points later, but it was hardly inspiring again, was it?
1: No, it was very, very,
4: very flat. And,
1: and it's a podcast nightmare because there really isn't anything else to say about the first half. There was a couple of uh, snapshots from Maggie that flew wide, but that was it, really.
3: Um, it was interesting. I saw Steve at, at half-time. <laughs> and we both turned to each other and it went, we're we're both we're both on the podcast tomorrow, aren't we? What on earth are we going to talk about? Because yeah, it was just two. It was it wasn't even just us because it was two really bad teams, wasn't it? And yeah, it's beyond uh, beyond description.
2: It was it was something. that looked as though it picked eleven because bl- everything they played last week, same starting eleven. It looked like they'd never seen each other, met each other before. There was. Absolutely zero coherence in the play. Couldn't string a pass together. There was no patterns of play. Nothing. It was, cold. it was, it was, it was as bad as it's been. And you know, I've not done as many as I would have done at this stage in the season in normal times. So um, you know, I've, I haven't got too many games to to use as a barometer. But that was rank bad that first half. And we were lucky to get out of it level. And you do think, well, actually, considering we're level, you put a bit of quality together. If the game's there to be won.
4: I'd actually argue that that was as bad, if not worse, than both Barrow and Tranmere. I just think that Barrow were a slightly better side. A half-decent side would have scored two or three yesterday in that first half. And I, I, can't, I, I can't pick any positives out of the first half other than we did get somehow go in at nil-nil because they were, were, well, not as bad because they looked better than us first half.
2: I think with Barrow, we had, I mean, in Wackway seemed to put one over. And obviously the view was a bit ropey, so you you couldn't really tell from where we were sat or stood, depending on where you were in the ground. Um, He had that chance where he he blazed over about two yards out when he got cut back to him. At least we had that at Barrow. Uh, The only chance we had was when Adji had that, he sort of rolled the man and shot from 30 yards out when he actually should have played the pass. And I think he just thought, well, we've not had a shot yet. Someone's got to have a shot. Um, so he pulled the trigger but yeah it was it was rank bad and it was it was a bonus to get out of it level
1: so obviously as you said the second half surely couldn't have been any worse and 10 minutes in there was a substitution Eli King came on for Rio and I thought after a after a promising start from King so I think lots of people were really impressed with him when he made his debut at Bradford I thought his stockers had really really thought however although he wasn't Man of the match. I thought he was quite decent when he came on. And he looked a bit more progressive and forward thinking than he had been. And what what do you think, Aaron? Did he make have some sort of positive impact when King came on?
3: Um, possibly, yeah. I think he. Uh, it's, it, I agree with pretty much everything you've just said. To be fair, from what I've seen uh, of his earlier appearances when he first came here, it did look like he was, um, you know, from a division above or two divisions above. I guess he is. And he looked like he he played that part, but then recently it feels like he's not really impacted games a lot. Now, I guess that can be said for most of the team actually from the last few games. But um, but yeah, he, I think he benefited as well from we looked a little bit more dynamic. Which normally I'm I'm normally a fan of having Uwakwe in the middle, um, and obviously he moves over to covering left back uh, for where Rio had left, and I feel like he was. A little bit more dynamic, getting up the wings and making plays happen. So I think King's involvement in the middle was kind of a beneficiary of the more involvement
2: out on the wing. Yeah, I tend to agree. I actually think, and I don't think it was a slight on Rio coming off, it wasn't like he played badly. He was just any, you could have hooked any of the 11, to be honest. But having a at left wing, at left back, he's better going forward than out of BC. So he gave us a bit of impetus in wide areas. Which I think was there was a clear we'd sort of gone to four four two by the looks of things because you had Sambu and Aji through the middle, and I think the intention was to try and you know get into sort of you know use and um, get into wider areas of the pitch and put crosses, balls in the cross because you had the two centre forwards in there, and I think Uwakwe did that for us. Kings, Kings are funny ones. I do think there's a player in there. I just don't necessarily think we're unlocking it. I think he's a victim of the the style of football we're playing in the sense of he's being told to you know almost sit behind the ball. Uh, be that holding you know he wants like a double pivot or whatever they call it nowadays but he wants two sort of holding midfielders in there rather than someone to really really get on get his foot on the ball and progress it now the game he played well and I don't know if you got man actually the Crawley game if you look at the goal we scored that day he was higher up the pitch he pinched the ball and then he rolled it in um for Baker Richardson who did the rest so my argument would be well actually you can see what he can do higher up the pitch why not get him in those areas and see if he can use the ball and yesterday there seemed to be a slight change to try and get him higher on the pitch but he didn't he didn't necessarily seem to do it and it seems a waste if you've got Thomas alongside him, which you know come wind rain or shine it looks like connor thomas is going to play then why don't you trust thomas to sort of just protect the back four by himself and allow king to do more with it and i wonder whether that might be a, a change we see under the bell into era um where which would potentially look to sort of unlock the king a bit more
3: do you think it's uh that King is then possibly going to be struggling a little bit by the fact that we seem to want to play uh, Taberna uh, and then even Finney Senior in that sort of more advanced role since Ainsley obviously has been out injured.
2: I think where King will struggle is uh, Charlie Colquitt because I actually think he's one that I'd look to get in midfield. It looks like there's a bit of a player there. He's got a bit of guile, a bit of quality. It looks like he could potentially progress the ball for us, unlock defences, which is where we're clearly lacking. Um, so he could be his 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 path blocked to the first team, but I do think we, we've got to find a, a role. I don't know. I just feel like there's more to to come from him, and it's how you unlock it.
4: He is a little bit sort of between between two stools, if you like, isn't he? Because he doesn't necessarily appear to be a a Tommy Larry or a, that sort of player, or and neither does he necessarily fit the classic holding midfielder. Uh, role um and why we want to play two. I, I really don't understand I, i've made that point before on here and and on various comments on various places that what are we doing trying to play two holding midfielders um i, I will pick you up there alex on something you said though we have style you said in the style we're trying to play
2: there was well, no I, style yesterday. There, there, there is no style, but you, 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 th- you sense that. When, when I use that term, it's an umbrella term, know. isn't Tongue it? Tongue
4: in cheek, mate. Yeah.
2: yeah, but it is. There has to be, like, the football has been ranked bad this year. It's, it's, like awful, being, it's, 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 it's borderline unwatchable at times. The thing is, like, we, I mean, I go there on Saturday because I've got nothing else to do, but I suspect there's a lot of other people on a Saturday that go to the football to enjoy themselves. Mm. So the, the, the point is, you want to watch sort of football that you enjoy the style of football that we're playing is, is not enjoyable. We need to do something about it. Hence why if, you know, you get Colquitt on the ball, maybe King being a bit more industrious in midfield would potentially allow us to get the ball on the deck and start start stringing a few passes together. Being fair to them
4: yesterday, I thought the game, it got more entertaining and better as the second half went on. I Like you, I thought Colquitt made a real, real impact and changed the way almost subconsciously changed the way we were trying to play we were then again trying to play what looked like crew we were trying to play through the thirds rather than dilly dally with it at the back and then hammer it as hard as we can up for Adje or whoever to lose it um, you know which is what, what, we've, what we've been doing and what we seem to be doing again in the first half Colkett coming on almost sub, I think subconsciously made them think right we've got a player on here we've got somebody who can play the ball let's play it keep Get them involved, and um, I thought he really improved as Col- Colkett did. But um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, won't we, going forward as to whether when he starts, do we do we play that way um,
2: consistently? I think the other thing with Charlie Colkett is he's not exactly the biggest, is he? So to get him on the, to get him in the game, you've got to keep him on the deck. Otherwise, you've just got a passenger there who the ball, whose ball's head's going to go over. Um,
4: well I, I, to be fair i think we we we've got a few passengers because the midfield i did feel a bit uh, a bit sorry for tabina yesterday in that when he was on he, we didn't see a lot of the ball did we or certainly not that he was a, going to be able to do much with and he, he he worked his ass off but he didn't he didn't seem to have a lot to lot to work with let's say did he so it's really
1: interesting in in your conversation there you've mentioned pretty much every midfield we've got on the books bar Lesh Barla. um so that does beg the question Aaron Lewis, where does Lesh Barla fit in and actually why did we bring him in when we've got all these options I, ahead of him i don't
4: i don't think he does um to be honest but uh i, I really don't know uh maybe you thought he was he was something slightly different or maybe it was to cover injuries or whatever, but I don't know where he fits. I don't I don't see what he does,
3: to be honest. It, it is an interesting uh, point because you look at the uh, bench that we named as well yesterday, all but two of them were central midfielders, effectively, I think, apart from Zach Williams and the goalkeeper. So if we've got a lot of options there, and we're only going to be playing... Three, two or three of them, so he's obviously quite clearly far down that pecking order. And yes, obviously, uh, perhaps maybe they've, they've got him in with one thing in mind, but then you see him on the training pitch and he's not quite that player. Uh, but, I
2: don't know, but I wonder whether there was an element of they weren't quite sure how Taberna was going to progress, and there was like we need another body in midfield. Um, because obviously, there's Thomas, they've got King, in, they had Colker. Ainley, Finney, and it was like, well, if you're going to play three in the middle, you'd want almost two players for each position, considering it is quite a you know, demanding schedule, which is it's invariably Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So you, Where possible, you try and have two players. I think Taberna's has obviously progressed quicker than they thought he would. I don't think they're envisaging him playing Starting in the first team this time of year. I think if, you know I could be wrong, but I'd have thought the intention would have been sort of in the new year you really begin to bring him into the team and, and get him more minutes, which would have then coincided with Lishab ending. So I, I did wonder whether that was the forward planning, but Tabern has just sort of accelerated quicker than they've expected, which just means well he's just sort of the odd man out, isn't he?
3: I mean the other thing as well is you mentioned that we got King in as well. People might correct me if I'm wrong on this, but didn't we bring in King after? Bless yep. you well. I'm sure we did. So that might tell a story. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I'm hinting at there, Steve, is that that, you know, we've we've got Bless Your Bella in and then he's not really what we thought. So we've brought somebody else in as well to.
2: Well, I think the King piece was I think they were expecting to get a couple off the books. Uh well, one specifically. So that was all lined up and it was almost like, right, we're going to need an extra body. Who are we are getting rid of? We think we're improving the quality. And then said person and said other person are still at the club, um, which has sort of scuppered that plan. So I don't necessarily, I think King was a, okay, we can improve the area of the pitch by getting players out. Uh, we'll bring a better one in. But then the players never went out the door. So I, I wouldn't necessarily, that was a slight on Le Chabala. I think that was the intention just to, he was in because they needed a midfield body. They were then likely to lose one, maybe two players from the midfield area. And they bought King in um, people, accordingly.
3: People can probably put together as well, looking at the other players that didn't come off the bench yesterday. Who you're on about?
2: Yes, one in particular.
3: Yeah.
1: Back back to yesterday, um, and just before the one moment of inspiration, there was the final um, of uh, Arthur's trio of excellent saves, um, when there was a rather a simple back to front through ball allowed Judge clean through. Alex, was that was that the best save of the three? Do you think?
2: Yeah, it was. I did like the first half snap save, where actually, because that was hit quickly and he got down to it really well. But that one, he, he he, if you actually look at it, he stood up really tall and he made that goal look a lot short, a lot smaller for um for what do you might call it uh for for Judge, um, and then he got down and tipped it around the post. Yeah, it was it was an excellent save, um, and it was fitting of his performance. Um, it was terrible defending though. If you look at the back four, you had sort of Melloran offered. In line with each other, and then you had Uwakwe. I think it was a Uwakwe at that stage. Uwakwe and Sas Davis, who were just almost five yards further back. So he had this staggered back four. He could drive a bus through the uh, yeah. drive a bus through it, and he just charged through the space. And offered had a right old go at Sas Davis after that, and he was right because he was five yards too deep. If he was further up, you're not going to have that massive gap that he could drive through.
4: Yeah, just just to add to that, yeah, absolutely with you, Alex, on that the save of the day for me. Uh I've watched it two or three times on, on, the, on the highlights and, and it, it, it's just an absolute um, textbook case of how to deal with a one-on-one as a goalkeeper. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. But the thing, and I don't know what the others' thoughts are on this, and, it, and you've alluded to it a little bit there, Alex, is how easily yesterday the defence got turned two or three times, including in the first half. There was a ball over the top that, but for a last ditch tackle, we either, there'd have been one another one on one or another two one on ones. And I, I don't know. I know we we it's not never good to necessarily single people out, but I'm con, concerned that Sass Davis playing in a flat back four, which we've all spoken about before, he can't do it, he can't do it. Do it. and it, 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 he he can't do it, and he turns slower than the QE2. And I just, I, I thought it was a concern yesterday and you could see it happening in slow motion several times. I don't know what all your thoughts
2: are, guys. I completely agree. He, he cannot play in the two. I think it, I don't think he reads the game badly. When we were playing that back three under Artel last year and he was in the middle of the three, he was quite comfortable there because he could drop that few yards deeper. It was all in front of him. He could head it if he needed to and he could sort of mop up and he looked quite comfortable there. But yeah, he he cannot play in the two. I just earlier on in the season where where McDonald was injured again, and he was just whoa, like. often was brilliant that night, and I remember him just having a stinker. Just doesn't look comfortable in the two. He always feels like he's treading water, which doesn't help the situation as well. Um, I think I think they'd like to play Williams in there, but I think he's, whoa, he's just out of form, isn't he? I know he's a young kid, and he's going to have these sort of growing pains. But you know that Barrow performance where they hooked him, I think it's good to take him out of the limelight, let him just sort of settle away a few weeks away from it and then get him back in um, because he's, he's, he's almost unselectable at the moment. Well, yeah. I think he's
4: poorly again as well, isn't he? But, um, I, I, yeah, he, he's, he's one of those that you really want to do well, don't you? Because he's one of ours, um, Sass Davis. But I, the more I see of him, the more I, I do become a little bit concerned when he's playing. And he's great at heading the ball away, but, but he's six foot. He's six foot six, isn't he? Or
2: six foot five? He should be. Good that's at heading what I mean.
4: That's what I mean. He's great. You know that that's his forte. But the moment even even the bottom of the table side started playing balls forward through balls forward, um, he we we looked suspect, and I think that that was part of the problem in the first half. But as I said, it did get better second half, but. That 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 was almost the turning point of the game for me as well. That 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 save from Big Arthur.
2: And I mean, think we sort of we went up
4: the back up the other end of the pitch, yeah. didn't we? Sliding doors moment, wasn't it?
3: Yeah. I was going to say on uh, on Sus Davis. I think the player that he is now is we've tried to play him to do everything that Rod McDonald does, but he does everything that Rod McDonald does just slightly worse. Um, and like you say, the 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 challenge the chance yesterday uh, when. When you see that player run through one-on-one, I think I said to my friend something that sounds a lot like four-foot snake. And, uh, and you, you've seen it so many times from a crew perspective that you expect that to be hit in the back of the net. And, uh, and for Arthur to have kept it out, like I say, I think it probably did galvanise the whole team a little bit from that point onwards. Aaron, I'm going to stick
1: with you. Because, as you say, that that was the, the turning point, the sliding doors moment. And then suddenly, from nowhere, there's a little bit of quality play and we have a goal. Talk us
3: through it. Well, yeah, I think I'd spent 80 minutes uh, sitting there going, what Dan Ajay do? Like, he completely unimpressed me for for most of the game. Uh, he was taking snapshots from too far out. That we're never going to go in. And then, what do you know? Uh Tariq Awakwe. There's a bit of working, I think, between Bass and Awake. is off down the left hand side. Uh pings the ball over. Brilliant cross. I'm not entirely sure that their goalkeeper shouldn't do something better there because he seems to flap at it and get nowhere near. And Ajay just ghosts in back post, nods it nods it home. I think it was a uh, really well taken. Uh he's obviously his movement was brilliant to, to get in at the back post there. And uh yeah, he shot me up,
2: basically. I think I think the on the goalkeeper point, I actually think the quality of the cross takes a goalkeeper out of the game. I don't think you can blame their goalkeeper for that. I think it's a brilliant cross on the run. And it's one of those where you're just hoping that someone's attacking the back stick to nod it in. And to be fair to Raji, um, he did attack the back stick, as I told him when he walked past me on the train on the way home. Um, <laughs> but it was a lovely sort of back stick attack, which you want to see more of. Um, and then, yeah, it was it was the one bit of quality we put together the whole game led to a goal which sort of sums yeah. up this level that if you actually put a, you put a bit of quality together, the sides are not good enough usually to repel it. So we've just got to try and do more of that.
4: Yeah, um, just, to, just to go with, with you really, Alex, uh, I, I, like you, just thought the quality of the ball um, just took the, took the keeper out of the equation. We, we sit halfway up the main stand, almost in line with the edge of the area. And so our view was the zip and the whip on that ball, it moved so much in the air that the keeper didn't didn't stand a chance. Um, but my 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 eldest sits in the or stands in the gresty road end. And he he's adamant that um, Ajay actually got lucky because it got an absolute full chunk of the post, which you don't realise on the quite on on the replay. That he he almost missed it because rather than get he managed to thankfully catch the inside of the post rather than the full face of the post but with it but because it looked like it just gone into the middle of the goal from where we were sat but no it actually hit the a full chunk of the inside of the post and still gone in but um yeah what a what a ball one bit of quality of the game and and it wins it for you doesn't it which as you said is is all that it really takes at this level, sadly.
1: Now, a fellow um, pod panellist, Ross, has been a real advocate of Charlie Colquitt, and we've kind of already referenced him. And although obviously Ross doesn't have any cultural knowledge whatsoever, it does seem that he can spot a footballer. And I I was quite impressed by his cameo, and you've already mentioned it. Um, But uh, Aaron, what did you think of Colquitt's 10, 15 minutes on the pitch?
3: Yeah, so like you say, from from everything I think I've seen so far, I'm I'm probably going to lean into Russ's assessment. I think he's uh, he does look like he, he could be a d- decent player. I guess the main focus is we've got to keep him fit. Now, it was something we were kind of aware of. You know, you look him up when we signed him; that he, he's obviously had his issues here, there, and everywhere. Um, but didn't he? Wasn't he in? He was in some high academy, wasn't he? I, I, someone could probably tell me which one actually. Kelsey? Was it Chelsea? I wanted to say Chelsea, but wasn't sure. Um, so, yeah, the, you know, the, you don't end up there by mistake, do you? Um, there the must be something to him. So I guess it's just, can we unlock that? Can we get that week in, week out rather than 15 minutes at a time? But um gives you reason for optimism. And on the flip side of things, uh, and Alex, I'm going
1: to throw this one at you. Um, Brook. I'm going to pose you a question. Is
2: Brook the new Alex Kiwamia? No, because no, Kiwamia, we've got goals and assists from for a period of time. We've not really had that from Um Yeah, he's a bit of a mirage, isn't he? Like, he seems to, you know, there's, there's some nice touches in there. There's some nice mannerisms. You think there's a footballer, but it's just lack of substance. But I don't know what his best position is, right? I wonder whether he, he sort of wants to play off the right, doesn't he, cutting on his left foot? But, yeah... It's he's one. I mean, there's decisions to make on the lonies, isn't there? King, Leshabala, and um, Brooke, they're all expired, don't they? At the end of the year, so it's whether you'd retain him to the end of the season. I think we'll know. I think Leshabala is likely to go back. I don't know what they're going to do with Brooke because you just do wonder whether there's you look at the touches, you look at the mannerism. You think it was cameo at Wimbledon when he came on and made a difference off the bench. He's like, well, there could be a player there, but yeah, I don't know.
4: He was so anonymous yesterday, though, wasn't he? Um, and as you said, I can't work out where he's trying to play. Not not so much uh, where, he, where he fits in terms of the formation, but when he gets the ball, is he trying to play wide? Is he trying to cut inside? I'm not sure he knows. And I think he, he just became completely anonymous yesterday, which is unfortunately not been that rare has it with him um as but as you said he's got he's got some lovely touches and clearly a very skillful player but you don't you know it's about end product isn't it you don't get prizes for step overs do you um or or whatever it's I, i'm i'm a, he's one of those players that you think oh great 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 oh you know, sort of thing, you know, it's, um, yeah, he, he flatters to deceive, doesn't he? I um, I don't know, I'm a little bit stuck with Brook because I do like
3: what he can do on the ball. Uh, it seems a little bit to me, especially yesterday, that he was playing in a different team, perhaps, and that was probably the issue. And a lot of the time off the ball, he doesn't seem to do much, if anything, really. But... I wanna I mean you can go back to first game of the season at at Rochdale. Now, obviously, we can make the point that Rochdale at that point were not a great side. Um, but he he made some great, you know, movement. He he got his goal, he could have had another as well. I'm fairly certain. So uh, there is something to him, but we're clearly not getting the best out of him at the minute. And uh and like, like Alex says, really, I guess we don't really know quite where he should be playing.
2: We've done incredibly well to talk about that game of football for the period of time we have, by the way, considering how little happened.
1: That was my next comment. We have done it amazingly well to get about <laughs> 25 minutes out of that turgid 90 minutes of football. <laughs> from a personal perspective, I think Lesh Barler needs to go back because he've had three different pronunciations of his name in the last few <laughs> <time.
2: laughs> just
1: think he needs to go just to make life easier for everybody. Um, any more from yesterday? I'll, I'll have we... Picked over that corpse long enough.
2: Brilliant brilliant turn of phrase there, picked over that corpse. We should end it on that note. I think it sums it up perfectly.
1: Okay. um, I thought before we move on, it might be quite nice to get people's thoughts on the uh, management recruitment process because the club have been notably quiet over the past week um, with only Graeme McGarry piping up and making a comment uh, about the search for um, a new manager. Um, Steve, what are your thoughts on where we're at the moment?
4: yeah i think you probably stole a little bit with under that i was going to say is the research um we after the initial flurry of that friday afternoon with the with the announcement etc um it's gone very very quiet and too quiet for my liking um i i what a, we can't continue with the current current situation in my opinion with the performances yeah is it is it einstein you know the definition of madness doing the same thing and expecting different results uh, and all of that um i i i have concerns that we've got two wins on the bounce now and at least some one person within the board senior figures um may think, oh, well, that's great. That's a tor- corner turned. Um, I think we got the result yesterday in spite of the performance. And I wasn't at the um, the Orient game, unfortunately. Um, they were on um, timeout from me after I'd wasted my time going to Barrow. Um, and um, But I, I, I'm not sure that was all that different. Um, and... I do con. I am concerned that um, that yeah that they'll look at the results on paper and say, oh well, we've won two, so we're all right. We'll keep it as it is. To me, we do. We're crying out for some some fresh impetus. We're crying out for a a, a, a different voice, whoever and wherever that may come from. And there are candidates out there, aren't there? Yeah,
3: I mean, I, one thing I'd say is, uh, I know it seems like everything has been quite quiet from the club at the minute, but I'm personally not expecting them to start listing off, oh, we've interviewed this person, we've interviewed that person. So I don't really expect that I'll hear much, especially knowing how the club tends to have been recently, that I don't think we're going to actually hear that much in terms of, you know, th- this person, that person, other than we could all expect maybe some hearsay of, you know, we've seen X person at the ground or, you know, anything like that. But no, I've not heard anything. I feel like maybe it's going to take a little bit longer this time around because I, I just don't think, or maybe I'm hoping more than anything else, it's wish casting, but
2: I don't think that they are just going to stick with things as they are. I don't think they can. There's There's nothing that has changed since the reshuffle. It is. I think the term for it is it's the equivalent of shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic. And I think the board have got to be open and honest. putting um, Obviously, Alex Morris's personal situation to one side, he was not performing to a to a satisfactory level in his managerial post. Now, by just swapping him out to be assistant manager and Bell to be manager, you're still going to end up with the same outcomes you were having beforehand, which which, as far as I'm concerned, was not of a satisfactory level. So they have to do something. Now, I don't know what they do. We'd hope there'd be a process. I mean, I suppose my concern is the people on the board, and don't get me wrong, they understand the value in terms of, you know, they're they're successful businessmen, so they understand the, the human value that's required to run any business. But football's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? And there's a distinct lack of people in that boardroom who've got experience in actually the football side of things. So if we're doing this process that has been alluded to, um, by Mr. Grant in an interview, who is actually going to conduct it? Like, they're going to conduct it with, with what expertise? You know, back in the day, John Bowler had obviously been around long enough and he obviously was even savvy enough to learn off Dario that he had that experience. We had Dario in the building for a period of time. We, do, we, do, we don't have that now. And I'm just concerned that if they do do this process, what's it going to look like? And I don't think they know what it's going to look like. Hence why they're sort of this holding position whilst they figure it out
4: what worries me is the longer it goes on full stop really but the longer it goes on the more that rot and we're nowhere near where the rot that we had last year but there is still an element of that there and as you said and it's no slight on the two guys at all but we've literally just swapped two guys around. One was the assistant, one was the manager, and we've swapped them around. It's the same voices, it's the same ideas, it's the same mindset, it's the same, or it will be very similar, training methods, et cetera. And to me, the performances and the, well, it's the performances first and foremost that have been the concern. As I said, we got that result yesterday in spite of, the performance, not because of. And this isn't a once a one-off. It isn't one, two, three games that we played like that. It just can't, the current status quo can't continue. And but the the more we or the rather the less we hear and the more time that passes, I think, is is a concern. And I think that the the fan base for once isn't necessarily wrong to be as vocal as they, they're starting to become. I know we all have our idiots on various groups or whatever. That we're, we're that, talking to one, you know,
2: too. Sorry, we're talking to
4: one. <laughs> well, yeah, aren't we all? We all we call worse than that, but mm. um, it's um, but I think to be honest with you, the majority of the level headed crew fans are at the position and know that there needs to be a change. And you you you're just wanting the club to at least at least do it right and do something rather than nothing. Doing nothing isn't isn't an option, in
2: my opinion. I think one one point I'll make though, I think it's a 10 point gap to the bottom two. They've got time. The result yesterday has bought them a bit more time to really do a thorough process. Bell's holding role. Look, we've won two games one nil, but you can't really argue with what he's done. He's 100% uh, irrespective of the performances, which obviously we won't, we won't divulge on. Um, so it, it does bind time. There's a 10-point gap. Let's see, we're going to do a process. Let's make sure it's thorough. Let's make sure we've exhausted every avenue. Let's make sure we come to what we think is the right conclusion. Um, and so that, that's the point I'd make. Like, okay, everything... You know, we're human beings. We want everything done as quickly as possible. It's, it's nature. Um, but I think in this instance, as there is time on our hands, take the time and make sure you do it right.
1: The women's team were in FA Cup action yesterday. Let's hear
5: how they got on. So we're here with Matt Fisher again following the conclusion of the first round proper of the FA Cup versus West Brom. It was a 4-0 loss, um, but it was a good match to watch from the sidelines, I think. Matt, what were your opinions on the game?
6: Yeah, um, pff, night and day from last week, the uh, the girls were fantastic. We've been dealt so much bad luck this week, I feel like I'm repeating myself now. The injuries and then illness hit the camp this week, which has severely affected training. The sickness bug's been in there. Uh, and two girls have had that and, and been able to only withdrawn from the squad this morning. So we've, we've come here with one player, one sub, sorry, um, and with a couple of players starting that just haven't trained. And it was just they did everything I asked of them. More, and I know that sounds crazy because we've lost four um, 0 but they've worked their absolute socks off. We created small problems for West Brom, but talking about a team two leagues above us uh, and in the women's football pyramid, that's huge. Um, so I'm proud of every single one of them.
5: Yeah. um and i think from the sidelines we could see the players playing out of position happen to maybe just make do with what what we had um but i thought some girls were absolutely fantastic any words on anyone in particular
6: yeah i mean we could be here a while i thought um meg beach was super she was she was going to be on the bench today um had a tough game last week but her um the way she came in at last minute and uh played in a number of positions and was super absolute class as was Jess Sheridan she was super as well and you know Amanda Fallon after so six weeks out with a knee injury and you know she's been thrown straight back into it and put in one hell of a shift there's so many Beth Ragdale was class as well great leader Um,
5: and I think again from the sidelines it was a great game to watch Um, probably the class of West Brom did shine through uh, but we The girls definitely made them work hard for the goals and the defence looked a bit more secured up this week. Any
6: words for them? Yeah, definitely. Um, It it would be crazy to expect us to come here and be able to do anything other than um, try and just be competitive. And I know that sounds defeatist and negative, but like I say, in the women's game, too, is huge. Uh, Giant killings don't happen in the women's game. Um, West Brom are good. I don't think... uh, We've... We've basically been outplayed more in in games in our division. That's been a disappointment. We didn't look like we were two divisions below them today. Having said that, West Brom were a far better team and deserved a victory. Fair play to them. Great, you know, good luck in the next round. With all due respect to the teams in our league, if they compete like that week in, week out, we will be okay. Um, It's our job now, we've set set the bar. Our performances have been in the FA Cup, hence this run. You know, super performance against Salford and Sherwood and West Brom. We've just not done it in the league and we need to figure out why that is.
5: Yeah, and I think taking that onwards, the performance from today and like you say, the other FA Cup matches can definitely take points from today and hopefully carry that over into some fixtures coming up that we can expect
6: points from really. Yeah, definitely. Uh, It starts, you know, we, we need to recruit, we're down to the bare bones. That's easier said than done. Teams in and around our level now have found ways of aiding their recruitment uh, and we haven't got that ability to do that, which has caused an issue. And um, like I say, the bad luck we've had with injuries, but we, it doesn't stop us to keep trying. That's all we can do.
5: Brilliant. Well, uh, I suppose, console for the loss, but a uh, great game, really. So thank you very much. Yeah, cheers, Tom. Thanks. <laughs>
1: It's Swindon up next in the Oliver Lancashire derby and Stu spoke to Rich from the Loathe Stranger podcast to find out how the rightful runners-up of League Two in 2020 have been getting on.
6: <laughs>
0: so I'm joined now by Rich from the Loath Stranger podcast. you mate. Hello, thank you again for being on. It's been a while. Yeah, been uh, well over a season or so for obvious reasons, but uh, (laughs) welcome back to the pod. We'll start then, Rich, if you don't mind, with the season so far for Swindon. Mm. Sixth currently, just inside the playoffs. Are you, are the fan base happy with how it's going? Yeah, I think on the whole,
7: I think at this stage of the season, regardless to who you support, just you just want to be in the pack, don't you, um, in terms of of the promotion side of things. And then hope January comes along and is kind to you, and then you can kick on from there. Um, there is a sort of slight, not divide, but there are some fans that are just absolutely, this is going terrifically well. Scott Lindsay is doing brilliantly. And then there's another half that aren't saying it's terrible, but they're just like could be a little bit better you know we're kind of you know flirting with with a bad run we must be flirting with a bad run at some point but I think slowly but surely we're coming to a realization that league two isn't that strong this year and you can play poorly and still squeeze past teams or or get points and I think that was quite um, evident this weekend when we drew to Tramier. Uh, Because we did not play well in the first 10 minutes and then we got better and better and the draw was about fair. So I think on the whole, yes, we are largely happy and it can get better though.
0: Is that divide then? um, Because obviously you guys were in the playoffs last year, didn't quite make it through there. Was that the aim or was there a genuine belief that the side, the squad that you've got could be one of the top three in the league? Is that where that divide is coming from, from before the season and people haven't really adapted to that, uh, maybe not being the case?
7: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think, and I include myself in this, who I'm having a great time. I'm enjoying the season at the moment, but we have to go up this year. After what we did last year with such minimal expectations, we have to compete and playoffs has to be a minimum. Um, and at the moment we're there but we could easily sort of drop back a bit so i think we wanted to be a top three but because we had yet another disjointed summer where we lost the manager and a lot of players you cannot demand that the the new the new head coach just nails it straight away so we there have been there, there is patience there is understanding but we as fans do think we should be going up or at least competing with it. And that's what we're doing at the moment. So there can be no real complaints, but it's nicer to be second and six points adrift of eighth and ninth than it is just to be, be there, but we're doing
0: okay. One of the players uh, from those playoff games last year is uh, no longer with you harry mccurdy now Mm. i remember watching those games against some i don't i can't remember they were awful team in white i can't remember the name Mm. um were you um and all of the the press we're talking about was this one player harry mccurdy are you pleased that the off-field stuff has gone or do you miss the player that you've lost
7: there's a little bit of column a a little bit of column b there because his form was undeniably impressive impressed he overachieved probably last season more than anything. And we, we really did cater to his his needs and his both on and off the pitch because he was a bit of a pain in the bum off the pitch. But it was rewarded and justified by him scoring lots of goals. And if we were 12th, 13th, 14th lower right now, I think we would be, why did we sell Harry McCurdy or why did we allow McCurdy to force his way out? Because that's essentially what he did. Um, But because we're still picking up the points and we are still um, up there, then he's not as missed as he would. But there are lots of people that still miss Harry McCurdy and his presence on the pitch, the way he used to sort of G up the opposition, but also get the county grounds sort of louder um, just by flapping his hands up in the air every now and again. Um, A lot of people do miss that. And yeah, we've missed his goals because we are just scraping by teams, Mansfield aside. So yeah, but he was a pain in the butt.
0: One player I don't think will be playing, uh, who I don't think is described as a pain in the bum, but this Saturday because he's off on World Cup duty, which for someone playing in the fourth tier is mad. But that is what Johnny Williams is going to do for Wales, isn't it? Yeah, I'll be surprised if he plays. But
7: it's a, it's a very odd situation. So I think a part of the the sell of Johnny Williams to Swindon, other than the fact that his former youth coach was our head coach at the time in Bangana, was like. We will get you to the World Cup, you know, so we we have a very good strength and conditioning team at the moment. He's barely missed much football, which is a huge comparison to the rest of his career. And his situation with Wales is quite unique. Well, not unique, but they do not hide the fact that his presence behind the scenes is just as important to his playing ability. And he can play. He's brilliant. We're going to miss him tremendously. He's having a much better this season this year than he did last season. And he was all right last year, but we're relying on him a lot more. And he's loving that, I think. He really is enjoying being like out of the shadows of Jack Payne and Harry McCurdy. And, and now he's really one of our key players, arguably our best player this season. Um, but because Wales have this camp where him and Chris Gunter... Um, And to a lesser extent, because he's still playing a a high standard Joe Allen, these guys are just getting in there because of the impact they have in the squad. And Johnny Williams making the world cup was what this whole project I think was about. I really want Johnny Williams to stay longer. And if we go up, I think he will uh, stick around because he is loved here. Um, He is playing a lot of football and um, who knows, because he's closing in on 30 now, but, we're realistic, you know, he's going to probably want to play higher, but if he gets two euros in a world cup behind him, he can look back at his career and hopefully he can say, well, I could go and play over a hundred games for Swindon and be a, be a legend with them. But how many players have we had over the last five or 10 years where you hope that, and then they join Peterborough uh, or, so, <laughs> or someone like that shortly afterwards. So yeah, real not a surprise to us, not because he's super brilliant, but simply because of the way Wales operate meant that him going to the World Cup was was kind of a no-brainer as long as he was fit.
0: One last player I want to talk to you about, Rich, is Jacob Wakeling or Jake Wakeling. Five goals, five assists so far. This is a player that crew need to look out for then?
7: Yeah, he's a really enthusiastic footballer. He is busy, works so hard and they gave him a, a very a longer contract um, to reward his early season exploits. They they stuck him out on the wing after we got Luke Jeffcott in on loan from Plymouth and it simmered down a little bit. The effort was still there, but the goal stopped and he's just stopped at like nine games in a row run without scoring uh, by, by scoring against Tramia this weekend, but he is so busy and, and, and just runs ragged himself ragged. ragged. Um, he, it's just, one of these players that seems to be grateful that he's still a pro. Um, he got released by Leicester at the end of the season. And it can go either way for for attackers at that point. They can find themselves at a league club or they can find themselves in the National League or lower. And when he signed, I don't think anyone had major, um, pro, you know, uh, didn't expect much from him. The, but, I mean, I think the first trial game he played, he was a sub. So you kind of think, well, this guy's a sub. He can't even get into the, you know, the the Melksham friendly 11, but they signed him pretty short, much shortly after that. So he, he went straight into the lineup. He was our early season goal scorer and he's just been very, very busy. Not our best player on the pitch, I don't think, but football fans love that enthusiasm, don't they? They love that work rate and he, he shows it all the time. And now he's going central again. I think most people could see why Scott Lindsay decided to put him on the wing. But he's definitely a central player and he's back up top now and and I expect him to stay there.
0: OK, Rich, I've got one last question and then I'll let you go. What's the score going to be on Saturday?
7: Well, we're doing all right at the moment. So we're at home. So I think we're going to win. Um, I, I, you know, your win against Colchester has not gone unnoticed, but if you can't be Colchester at the moment, what, 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 you've, got, you've got to be worried. So, I'm going to say it's going to be a low-scoring win for Swindon, 2-1. We're not keeping clean sheets at the moment. We were terrible in the first 10, 11 minutes um, on the weekend. We, we seem to be lacking energy. But I think the players that we do have might just get should get us over the line. So 2-1, the boring prediction, but that's what I'm going for.
1: Rich, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. Thank you. So chaps, uh, Swindon sit in sixth spot at present and they drew with Tramon at the weekend. They may have lost the delightful Harry McCurdy, but they're still doing pretty well. Um, Aaron, what are your thoughts on the impending fixture at Swindon?
3: Um, Yeah, well if we can snatch a 1-0 win here, I'll be very impressed, I'll say that. I'm not not too hopeful going into this game. Uh, I feel like just feels like a game that we're destined to lose. You know, it's it's a, an away game that we it's a team we probably don't really fancy ourselves against too much. Um, I'm not
4: all that hopeful. I don't know about anybody else. No, I'd take 1-1 one, one now. <laughs> I'd take a point now. Um, I had considered going, but I'm, I'm, hmm. the more you think about it, the more it's going to be cold and wet and um we're going to get turned over, aren't we?
2: I mean, I've made the point um, in a WhatsApp group that there's no one to fear in this league, though. Like, if you look at who we played, obviously we beat Orient in the Cup last week, who were top. Stevenage and Northampton we've thrown away leads against. We've held Bradford. Barrow, we were shocking. Mansfield, we conceded twice late on. That's six of the top seven. And then if you, even if you go down to eight with Carlisle, we, we held a point there. Like, it's a poor league. It is, There isn't anyone to fear. So all this all, would you take a point? We shouldn't be... Don't get me wrong, we probably all would, would take a point, but I think that's just an indictment of just how bad we are at the moment, considering the lack of quality that there is in this league.
4: I think that's a good point, Alex. I think it is a damning indictment of probably where we're at, isn't it? Um, in that there is, we haven't seen anybody who would go, Christ, they're a good side. We haven't seen them yet this year, this season, have we? and and yet we're we're a little bit concerned with going to swindon you know we, we I, I think we're capable of beating anybody i've seen uh but having said that, that doesn't mean we me will, does it because i think I think our team is 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 isn't necessarily um or rather isn't what's the phrase some of some of its parts and all that I think we're better. We've got better players than they're playing at, as a team at the moment, and we're not necessarily um, we're not necessarily
2: firing, are we? Convoluted way of saying the sum of the parts isn't. It's not That's the one. The sum That's of the, parts. the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should
4: yeah, edit that. Edit that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you won't, though, Dave. So yeah, yeah.
1: Well, having heard all that, Aaron, um, score prediction.
3: And um, I'm going to say, yeah, OK, let's let's say we'll get a 1-1. Can't see us ever scoring two goals again at the minute. So uh,
4: <laughs> 1-1 will do. Steve? Um, I, I'm going to go 1-1 as well, despite what I said. Alex, are you going to break the trend?
1: Yeah, 2-0 Swindon.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think our recent record there is pretty dreadful from memory. Um, I think
2: we won there Easter Monday when Dave Artell was going to lynch the referee. And to be fair, it was the worst performance I've ever seen from a referee. And that's saying something considering how low the bar has been. But otherwise, we've got a terrible record there. COVID season, we battered them. Travis Johnson scored a brilliant goal lost, And then even the season where we went up, we lost three, won there. We ended up, I think, with Winterland NG playing at centre-half the end of that game. Um, and then you factor in the, the 4-3 um, under Steve Davis when we were 3-1 up. Um. yeah, there's been several several dark days at Swindon. Actually, ah. a really crap away day as well, despite ah. the fact I'm going to go.
1: And, um, Alex, without wishing to uh, dip into the pod's mythology too much, but I'm sure in that COVID season, wasn't that your infamous Mikael Mandron has to walk <laughs> home and take his boots away from him, right? It,
2: it was, yeah. I, I, we, it, we did a Saturday evening record that day. Yeah. And I was, yeah, I'd hit the roof, shall we say. I was absolutely seething. Um, And um, I remember I wasn't a particularly big drinker during lockdown because he just sat at home. But I do remember going downstairs, dipping into the the cabinet and picking out a nice bottle of red wine as I proceeded to chin most of that.
1: Um, Other news this week saw the announcement that Paul Green um, was to retire. He joined um, the Alex in in 2018 and was instrumental, uh, in my opinion, in changing the team's mindset from being serial losers into eventual promotion winners. Um, Aaron, how do you rate um, the contribution of Paul Green during his time at the Alex? Uh, yeah, I think
3: you've you've summed it up pretty well there. Um, he's somebody who, like I say, he came along just at the right time when we needed him the most. Um, albeit, I would take somebody like Paul Green very much at the moment again. Um, and yeah, uh, many many happy returns and happy trails to to Paul Green. I think.
4: Yeah, I think. What a what a professional and what what an impact he had at the club um it was interesting though as well reading I, I'd read a few things on twitter from from various supporters of his various clubs that he'd he'd played at and I think that it was almost unanimous that that everybody thought exactly the same as as we thought of him um a great competitor and by all by all accounts a, a great guy off the pitch as well and and good luck to him wherever it takes him. Although, um, if he's assistant to Donny as he is, it appears now, um, let's hope he
2: doesn't get three points against Crewe. Yeah, I'd echo everything. I actually think, I think you made a really good point, Steve, at the start there, um, when you were introing it, in terms of he actually changed the mindset. He had that real desire um, and he, his desire was clearly infectious because I think it did rub off on the younger players that it's all well and good having the talent, but you've got to have that will alongside the talent. And I think he really imprinted that on the on the younger players. And, you know, Ryan Wintle is one that I think immensely benefited from having him, him around. You see the improvement with Wintle, and obviously that came with playing games. But I think it came alongside playing McGreen as well. Um, so so wishing well, it might see him back at the club at the club in some capacity in the near in the future. Who knows?
1: Um finally, it's the big night on Wednesday, um, with a number of the panel attending the football content awards. One of those is producer Dave. So I'm going to hand over to him to give us an update on what they could be expecting on Wednesday night. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm not sure, really. Um, there's a few of us going. Stuart's flying over um, to go. Uh, I'm going to be there. I think Mark and Tim will be there as well. I know we've got to find our penguin suits to put on there'll be a meal there'll be some free booze apparently and um, we genuinely don't know whether we've won or not i know we, we did amazingly well um and stew is really proud to get nominated and down to the last six um as i understand it well it was a public vote for part of the um the uh, the decision and also the judges for part of it so thank you if you did vote for us um let's see if it's been enough for us to come home and lift that trophy but yeah we're looking forward to it Wednesday night we'll uh, let you know on social media how we get on
1: fantastic and let's hope that the lads um return like Sean Smith from Wembley 97 with silverware tucked under their arm um that's probably us for today um so thank you to the panel for their sterling efforts in talking about that absolutely dreadful 90 miniature
4: today.
3: <laughs> my pleasure well no, no problem hey. guys thanks for having
1: me on and of course thank you to you for listening and until next time goodbye